Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 31, the Bible says, Then his mother and his brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. I've been blessed to be a part of a wonderful family. Growing up with my mom, my dad, and my little sister. I had a wonderful childhood, and I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. Now, I didn't really enjoy going back to school. We were just talking about the kids starting back to school. I didn't really enjoy going to school all that well. But one thing I did enjoy doing is when I got home from school. I had an afternoon routine. I would come home from school. I would park in front of the television. I would grab my snack. I would grab the, the control and, and turn it to the Superstation, TBS, for my favorite show that came on at 4.35, The Brady Bunch. Now, some of you have seen The Brady Bunch, I know, but growing up, that was one of my favorite shows. If you've never watched the show, it's about a guy named Mike Brady who has three sons, Greg, Peter, and Bobby. Then he marries a lady named Carol who has three daughters, Marcia, Jan, and Cindy, and the three daughters take the surname Brady. And this uh, blended family, they also have a, uh, a live-in housekeeper by the name of Alice. They live in this large suburban two-story house that's designed by the father, Mike, who happens to be an architect. But one of the things I love about the show is it's a great family-oriented show. And, and for those kids, it was a wonderful thing for them to have the name Brady. The last name, Brady. Now, by God's grace, today I have a wonderful family. I've been blessed with a wonderful father and mother-in-law, with a wonderful brother and sister-in-laws, with a niece and a nephew. God has blessed me abundantly, and I'm grateful for that. I've also been blessed with a loving, caring, compassionate wife and five wonderful children. And I love my family, and I hope that one day my family will be able to look back and say, you know, I'm proud to be a Lee. I'm glad to be a Lee. But you know, being a Brady, or being a Lee, or, or whatever your name, your last name may be, listen carefully to me, does not make you a member of the family of God. This morning, for the next few moments, I want to share a message with you that I've simply entitled, The Family of God. And I hope that God will use this to challenge you and encourage you. And I hope that you'll be able to see what it means and what is necessary for you to be a member of the family of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to notice first that physical ties to Jesus does not make you right with God. Physical ties to Jesus does not make you right with God. Now, this event takes place in Capernaum. They're still there, gathered around the Sea of Galilee, and it's said to have happened at Peter's house, which if you've heard any of my previous sermons as we've been going through Mark, it's just a, th a stone's throw 
from Peter's house to the Sea of Galilee, and a stone's throw from Peter's house over to the synagogue. And once again, they're gathered in Capernaum. This is Jesus' home base. This is Jesus' mission-sending headquarters. And the Bible tells us here that a multitude had gathered once again here at this house. Now, there were so many people there that they couldn't even eat a meal. And surrounding Jesus and His disciples were the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, as well as many other people from different walks of life. Now, Jesus' physical family had heard what was happening, and, and they tried to intervene. It appears as though they had good intentions, but listen to what they said to Jesus, and we touched on this last Sunday. They said about Jesus, he has lost his senses. In other words, he's insane. In other words, he's lost his mind. Now, it's clear that Jesus' family were not on the same page as he. I mean, this sounds very familiar to a typical family today. Even today, there are times when family members are in opposition to one another. Now, there are differing levels of opposition, and it may be something as simple as one member of the family is a Wolfpack fan, and the other member of the family is a Tar Heel fan. I want you to know that's a house divided, and the Bible said last Sunday in Mark's Gospel that a house divided cannot stand. So you need to be on the same team, amen? No, most importantly, you need to be on the right team. You know, within our family, we face opposition. We face opposition when we decide where we're going to go eat. Amen? I mean, my kids, you ask them where they want to eat, and they want to go to McDonald's because they want a Happy Meal. Now, I don't want a Happy Meal, so I don't want to go to McDonald's, but I want you to know some of that has changed as of late because I've, I've, I've started to have this hankering for McDonald's chicken nuggets with, with hot mustard sauce. So now when they say, hey, let's go to McDonald's, it's not so much a house divided anymore. It's not so much the opposition that it once was. But I want you to think about the opposition when it comes to a more serious matter. Think about what it must have been like to be a member of the family of Jesus, the physical family of Jesus. I want you to think about what it must have been like to be one of his brothers or sisters and thinking about that, I imagine his mother Mary, she would often look around at the other siblings and she would say, I can't believe you did that. Why in the world did you behave that way? All of this pouting and, and whining and screaming and yelling and, and you throwing a fit. Why can't you act like Jesus? Amen? Because Jesus was perfect. He was the sinless Son of God. So there were his own people, his physical family. They were in opposition to him. And the Bible says they wanted to take custody of him. Yet with their physical relationship, the massive crowds, hear me, prevented them from getting inside to where Jesus was. They couldn't get in the house. There were so many people gathered there. And the Bible says here that standing outside, they sent word to Jesus. Now, perhaps Jesus heard them. I don't know if he heard them or not. But had he not heard them, the people made it clear that his crowd was gathered. Listen to what they said. Your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. In other words, they said, Jesus, your family is here. 
Now, he's engaged in a conversation within. You know, the ones that have these physical ties to you. I mean, for crying out loud, these are your kinfolks. These are your blood relatives that are looking for you. Yet his brothers did not put their trust and faith in Jesus and receive him as Lord and Messiah until after his death and his resurrection. And it's crucial that you understand what's being conveyed here. Listen to me carefully. Your race, your ethnicity, your lineage, your heritage does not give you a right standing before God and grant you membership into His family. Performing rituals and following requirements and having religion does not grant you membership to a part of the family of God, to be a part of the family of God. Giving to people, going to church, serving within the church, serving as a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or even preaching God's Word does not give you a right standing before God. Walking down an aisle, being baptized does not make you right with God. All of these things, please hear me, all of these things come up short. They're good things. They're good things, yes, but all of them come up short. So physical ties to Jesus does not make you right with God. Serving Jesus does not make you right with God. Being a part of the local church, involved in the local church, does not make you right with God. It's important that we understand this. We're talking about the religious leaders of the day. They did not have a right standing with God because they adamantly opposed Jesus. I want you to notice, secondly, this thought-provoking question. The thought-provoking question. Look at verse 33. The Bible says in verse 33, Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Throughout history, there have been a lot of great teachers, but all of these teachers pale in comparison to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the master teacher. I love the way that He teaches. He taught using parables. And we know that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And when Jesus was asked questions, lots of times He would uh, answer the question with a question. And, and I love how He responds here to the scribes and the Pharisees. He answers with this thought-provoking question that's not just for the scribes and the Pharisees, but it's a thought-provoking question for you and me today as well. Listen to the question. Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? Now Mark doesn't record their response, but I imagine these scribes and Pharisees were scratching their heads. I mean, their eyebrows were raised. And perhaps they were even involved in this deep thought process. They probably said something like this. Hey fellas, come over here. We've got to put our heads together. We've got to put our, our thinking caps on. And we've really got to consider this question that Jesus is asking. Let's think about it. His mother, uh, uh, she's standing outside, and, and her name is Mary. Uh, his father is not here, but we know that he's from Nazareth. He's a carpenter. His name is Joseph. Oh, 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 we've got it, guys. Uh, how about his brothers? There's four of them. There's James and Joseph and Judas 
and uh, Simon. Yes, Simon. That's his four brothers. And oh, 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 hold on just a minute. Uh, there's, there's two others. He's got two sisters, so-and-so. Uh, we've got it all figured out. I mean, we've done it, guys. And, and, and by the way, we've got the answer to his question. Who are his mother and his brothers? We've just named them. We know who they are. And, and by the way, Jesus, you should give us some extra credit because we also named your father, Joseph, and you didn't even ask us about him. I mean, we've got it all figured out. It was a thought-provoking question for them, and it's a thought-provoking question for us today as well. With the family of God in mind, and with this question, Jesus is not referring to the physical realm, but to the spiritual realm. I love what Dr. Danny Aiken says here. He explains it this way, and I quote, the family of God is a spiritual reality and not a physical one. Joining together zealots and tax collectors, thieves, murderers, liars, cheats, legalists, self-righteous, religionists, and all kinds of other sinners just like you and me. End of quote. So first we learn that physical ties to Jesus does not make you right with God. But secondly, we see this thought-provoking question. I want you to notice third and finally, that there is only one way to become a member of the family of God. There's only one way to become a member of the family of God. Now look at verses 34 and 35. Verse 34 says, Looking about at those who were sitting around him, imagine Jesus doing that. He's looking around at them. And this is what he says. He says, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Unfortunately, all roads do not lead to heaven. I mean, you have the opportunity to choose whatever path you're going to walk in life, whatever road you're going to travel down. But whatever road you travel down and the way you choose will not ultimately lead to a place called heaven. The thought that all roads lead to heaven is known as universalism. And universalism is heresy. Unfortunately, not everyone is a child of God. I would love to stand here this morning and tell you everybody's a child of God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. John 1, 12 and 13 says, But as many as received Him, that is Jesus, to them He gave the right, listen to this, to become children of God. To become a part of the family of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Yes, God loves everybody. God loves everybody. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells me that God loves you. And somebody needs to hear these words today. God loves you. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
The next verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. But that the world through Him might be saved. Salvation comes through a person and His name is Jesus. And it's God's desire that none perish, but all come to repentance. God wants fallen humanity to be a part of His family. To be a part of the family of God. However, we have a universal problem that separated every single one of us from a holy, righteous God. And the problem is sin. Sin is anything that you say, think, or do that's displeasing to God. And the reality is this. You've sinned against a holy, righteous God. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes you. That includes me. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So what you get as a result of your sin is not only physical death and physical separation, but eternal death and eternal separation from a holy, righteous God. But I love how verse 23 continues. Verse 23, The wages of sin is death, but, praise God, the gift of God is eternal life, through who? Jesus Christ. Praise God for that, amen? And the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's a good place to say amen. I'm going to amen myself in here. Praise God for that. The only vehicle for belief is faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know that God is a faithful, gracious God. And when you trust Jesus, the Bible says that you're justified, you're made right with God, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. The only way to become a member of the family of God is to surrender your life to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I've tried it on my own and it doesn't work. So what I'm going to do right now from this point forward is I'm surrendering my life to you. I want to live for you. Save me from my sins and make me a part of your family. And the Bible says that if you do that, before you can even blink your eye, you become a child of God. The Spirit of God comes to live in your heart and your life to indwell you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, you're to glorify God with your body. Which is His to begin with anyways. But you may ask the question, what do I do after I do that? I I've prayed to receive Jesus years ago and, I and I'm striving to walk with Jesus right now what do I do, Pastor, if I've been following Jesus for many years? What do I do, Pastor, if I've just said yes to Jesus this morning? It's one and the same. You and I continue to do what we've been called to do, what Scripture teaches us, what Jesus clearly points out in this verse. Whoever does the will of God, listen to this, he is my brother and sister and mother. Who, Jesus, who? Whoever does the will of God. That's what we've been called to do. We've been called to do the will of God. 
Now, this is where some of us get tripped up. This is where some of us uh, uh, struggle quite a bit. Because someone may ask, well, what in the world is the will of God? What is the will of God? And when it comes to knowing God's will, people will fret. People will wring their hands and say, if I only knew what God's will was. Hey, you don't have to wonder what it is. God's told us clearly what His will is. Now listen to me. You're not going to find a scripture verse that tells you the person to marry. You're not going to find a scripture verse that tells you the place that you're supposed to work. You're not going to find that. So instead of seeking God's will for your life, listen to me, instead of seeking God's will for your life, why not just seek to follow God's will? That's what Jesus is pointing out here, the will of God. Because the will of God has been revealed to you and me in the Word of God. The will of God is found in the very Word of God. That's why we need to read our Bibles. That's why we need to study God's Word and immerse ourselves in the Word of God. I say this often because I need to hear it. I've got to get into the Word of God so that the Word of God can get into me. That's how I'm going to grow. I'm not going to grow spiritually by turning backflips. I'm not going to grow spiritually by doing cartwheels, by running up and down the aisle, or doing any of those things. I'm going to grow spiritually in my relationship with Jesus when I immerse myself in the Word of God. So you and I must do just that. The will of God is revealed in the Word of God. There's several things I want you to write down here. Notice this, and I'm going to go through these quickly. God's will for you, first and foremost, is for you to repent and believe the Gospel. First and foremost. If you've trusted Jesus, hey, you know what I've come to learn over the years? I didn't just need the gospel back then when I trusted Jesus. I need the gospel more than anything today. And I've got to preach the gospel to myself. I've got to be reminded day in and day out, moment by moment, what Jesus Christ has done for me. So the gospel is for the believer even more so than it is for the unbeliever. We need to continually preach the gospel to ourselves. So if you've not yet trusted Jesus... You've got to repent and believe the gospel. You've got to turn from your sins and trust Jesus with your life. Jesus stated this so clearly. Turn back to Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Jesus said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So first you've got to repent and believe. But then listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Paul writing says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to this. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So according to God's will, you're to rejoice always. That's a part of God's will for you. You don't need to pray and say, God, do I need to rejoice? It's a part of His will for your life. You need to pray continually. You don't need to pray to see if you need to pray. Amen. You just need to pray. And I just need to pray. We're to pray continually. You're to give thanks in everything. Listen to this. We give thanks when things are going our way. 
When you get a bonus or a pay raise or, or something good happens in your life, you're quick to say, well, praise Jesus. Amen? But the Bible says that we're not just to rejoice when we're on the mountaintop. No, we're to rejoice when we're in the valley. Think about the Apostle Paul. When he was in prison, what was he doing? He was singing hymns. He was praising God. He was rejoicing in his circumstances. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, that's not the easiest thing to do. And I can't do that in and of myself. That's why I need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that I will not obey the lust of the flesh. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Write that verse down. Paul again writing says, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. It's a part of God's will for you to do good works. Now we've got to be careful here because we don't do good works to earn salvation. doesn't work that way. You do good works because of the fact that you have been saved. You're doing the good works that God prepared in advance that you would walk in them. God's will for your life is also your sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, listen to this. For this is the will of God. Did you hear me? For this is the will of God. What is your sanctification? That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. God's will for you is to abstain from sexual immorality and from lustful passions. Now, lust is defined as a passionate or overmastering desire or craving, and it's not just limited to sexual sin. That craving can be for something else. But here, Paul specifically mentions lust and sexual sin. So we're to flee those things. We're to turn from those things. We're to run from those temptations that the wicked one, the devil, throws before us each and every day. God's will for you is also not to sin against your brother. You and your brother and you and your brother and sister are supposed to be in harmony with one another. Hey, we can't win the world with the gospel by proclaiming the good news to Jesus if we can't be on the same page to start with. Amen? The church is to be unified. Brothers and sisters are to be together. If you've got a, a fault with your brother or sister, go to that brother and, and, and uh, make sure that reconciliation takes place. So God's will is for you to also be wise. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. And to walk by the Spirit. For in doing so, this is the will of God. Doing so from your heart. So God has clearly made known to us His will, and we understand His will by reading and studying His Word. And if you're following God's will, then your life will come to fruition. You will produce good fruit. What is the fruit that we're talking about? Well, it's the fruit of the Spirit found in the book of Galatians chapter 5. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, it begins, though, by surrendering your life to Jesus and by following God's will. Now listen to what Jesus says here in verse 35. For whoever does the will of God, 
He is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, he or she belongs to me. In other words, he or she is a part of my family. In closing, I want to ask you a personal question this morning. Does this describe you? What we've discussed this morning, does this describe you? Do you belong to Jesus? And can you say with all honesty, these words that, that Bill Gaither penned so well back in 1970. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. That's the question this morning. Are you a part of the family of God? You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.